0: Loving-kindness is the ninth parami, and it's very interesting to reflect because it's the first of the four divine abidings. Another thing to reflect on is what is missing from the ten paramis, what we have in terms of the divine abidings, which are uh, loving-kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity, two are missing from the divine abidings compassion, and sympathetic joy. What is included is loving-kindness and the 10th parami, equanimity. These two are especially formulated in the Theravada list of the 10 paramis. Sometimes in the Mahayana six paramis you will see compassion featured rather than uh, loving-kindness. Loving-kindness really includes compassion and sympathetic joy. It's a more comprehensive experience. Compassion is loving-kindness for those who are suffering. Sympathetic joy is loving-kindness for those who are happy. Loving-kindness is loving-kindness for beings without considering whether they are happy or unhappy, suffering or not. And so loving-kindness is the master sort of emotion. Compassion, sympathetic joy are subcategories of it. Equanimity is another category, and we will talk about it in a later talk. But loving-kindness, the simile is as the rain falls everywhere without discrimination, the Loving kindness is radiated out, uh, true loving kindness, altruistic loving kindness is radiated out without concern for where it falls. So sometimes it will fall on your direct enemies, sometimes on your friends, of course on yourself, as rain does not discriminate. This kind of simile of rain occurs to literary people as well. It occurs in Shakespeare with this beautiful phrase, the quality of mercy, something like loving kindness. The quality of mercy is not strained, but droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the earth below. Beautiful, elegant, Shakespearean observation and the simile of this emotion being indiscriminate as is rain. And so the benefits of loving-kindness come to the radiator of loving-kindness. One has to realize, as one develops these paramis, that there is no holding back from radiating loving-kindness to all beings, because there is no benefit to holding back. There is no loss to the one who radiates goodwill, even to one's enemies, even to the most evil beings in history, we can afford to radiate goodwill to them because we are the beneficiaries of that. They may not even be aware, of course. Radiation of loving kindness does not mean that everybody suddenly feels, ah, somebody loves me (laughs) in the world. Sometimes, People are under the impression that the radiation of loving-kindness is always felt by the recipient. It's quite clear that angry, hostile people do not receive one's loving-kindness. They're completely unaware of it and regard one still as the enemy. But certainly the person who radiates always receives the benefits of loving-kindness. And so because of its beneficial nature, we radiate without discrimination. We also burden ourselves if we have ill will, regrets, fear towards other beings. We are the one who is burdened by that. So it's this letting go of discrimination that resolves so many psychological issues To realize that we are always the beneficiary of this. And of course other beings are. One of the reasons why we do radiate loving kindness is that we know that the core issue of any beings, misbehavior, evil, etc. is ultimately ignorance. No one inflicts pain upon themselves or anybody else out of knowledge. They always do it because they don't know any better. And so this is why we recognize that any being who is unskillful is suffering and will suffer and will receive enormous kind of repercussions, especially if they practice negative actions towards those who have no ill will towards them. Loving kindness, of course, is deeply explored and one of the suttas that one should dwell on which uh, we do at the monastery on a regular basis is the 11 benefits of loving kindness to see how many benefits there are to this practice one of them ultimately is that it supports the passage towards enlightenment sometimes it's misunderstood that one should get on with the investigation of the emptiness of all phenomenon or the dwelling on anatta and that loving-kindness is a kind of a secondary emotional structure, but not truly to do with insight. Well, primarily loving-kindness has so many benefits in terms of the capacity for the mind to concentrate. It purifies the mind. It allows the mind to be calm. It also eliminates ill-will. And so ill-will is one of the great impediments to, ultimately, to wisdom and insight. So this is why so much time is spent with the cultivation of loving-kindness. It's a platform for the development of the other paramis, including, of course, wisdom. And so there are endless variations of benefits from loving-kindness, even to the extent that one sleeps well, one wakes well. It changes the contents of even the unconscious mind. So... The kind of activities that come up in dreams are transformed. If one is practicing loving-kindness consciously during the day while you are awake in a very systematic way, then you will experience benefits even in your sleep where you are not in control of the mind. Things will also resolve at the deeper levels. In modern times, we talk about the unconscious and the subconscious these uh, are not terms that are used in uh, early Buddhist psychology, but there is something to them. We would probably say that there's something to do with the avijja or ignorance, that which is disguised or not apparent to us. So loving-kindness opens up these deep, hidden elements. We can uncover our hostilities, towards ourselves, towards others, through the practice of loving-kindness. So it softens up the mind, it lubricates the mind, it moistens the mind, and things, abundance, can grow from this. So all kinds of benefits manifest from the cultivation of this. And that's why it's so critical to the development of the other paramis as well.